Good morning, Columbia Presbyterian Church. Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Good. Okay, y'all gonna have to talk back to me now. Y'all can't. I, I told David, and I was talking to David this morning, uh, and I was um, telling him, I'm saying, man, yo, like, I'm a brother. It's Black History Month. And he said, I don't preach nothing but 25 minutes. I'm like, come on, man. I'm just now getting into my introduction in 25 minutes. But it's all right. You know, I, uh, it's just different. You know, it's just different. Uh, we preach 40 minutes. Uh, our, our white brothers and sisters preach 25. I'm in a predominantly white church. I done learned something. You get them up and you sit on down. And so what we're going to do, since I only got five more minutes, I'm going to give them up and sit, <laughs> and sit on down. If you would, I would love for you to meet me in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I'm uh, going to be beginning reading at verse chapter 1. I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version of the Bible. So John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, and this is the word of the Lord. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Verse 7 A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For you know Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying it to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well, the well, and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again, be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, uh, for you have had one, two, three, four, five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Whoa, Jesus. Man, you ain't had to do it like that, no? Golly, putting our business all out on the street like that. And he said, what you said is true. 
The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Concluding in verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he would tell us these things. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's go before the Lord in prayer really quickly. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you just for your grace and your mercy that you continue to give us every single day that we wake up. Lord, we pray that you would speak uh, through my mouth and think through my mind, Lord, what the words you would have me say and for us to know when to do. We pray, Lord, that you would get glory in this place today. It's in Jesus' name, amen. So Howard Thurman... Uh, The great black theologian once told a story of his grandmother that she would tell him and the kids as they would gather around at the dinner table. Now, she told this story for a particular purpose. And the purpose was when the kids had felt uh, like they didn't matter and they felt empty and they felt like things didn't go their way. She would tell the story that she grew up on to change their identity, to change their reality and inform them of something different than they were experiencing. And the story went a little bit like this. His grandmother was a former slave. And as was the custom each year, Uh, the master would allow a slave preacher to travel from plantation to plantation. And as he would travel from plantation to plantation, uh, the master, they would gather up at the hush harbor uh, because they were not able to worship during the day. It was during that time that they were finally able to be themselves. And as they would gather around to this hush harbor and this meeting, uh, the slave preacher, as was his tradition, would climax in the sermon that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to show them that this Messiah has something to say about their condition. But this preacher was a little bit different. He, as he was concluding his sermon, as they were not watched, they were able, as it were, to let their hair down. He would lean over to them As they look with him with new eyes and he would say this, he would say, you are not slaves. You are not niggers. You are God's children. And that reality that he was sharing with them was the same sermon that Jesus, as he was on his way to Samaria, wants to preach today. 
He wants to preach a new reality uh, to people who come from broken realities. He wants to shape and to mold them, being us. And he does it 2,000 years ago on his journey through Samaria. And of course, I can't cover everything in this text this morning. But I want us to look at this text at a very 30,000 foot view. What we're going to be focusing on is a sermon to remember. As the slave preacher clearly taught them a sermon to remember, Jesus gives us clearly a sermon to remember as he preached, as it were, to the Samaritan woman. And the first, we're going to just look at two uh, easy thoughts uh, today. I'm in the Presbyterian church, so we like to take notes. That's how you tell me amen. So my note takers for you today. First, we're going to look at Jesus is passionate about breaking down barriers. First, what we're going to look at is Jesus is passionate about breaking down barriers. If you look in verse uh, number, uh, verses one through four and number seven, uh, specifically in verse four, the Bible says that he had to pass through Samaria. Now, I don't want us to miss this. Uh, God is uh, very clear in this language that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Uh, if we are familiar with kind of the geography of Samaria, it would make sense that Jesus would have to pass through Samaria. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't, uh, if I'm trying to get to Charleston, I wouldn't go all the way to 77. Or is it, isn't it 26 to go to Charleston? Yeah, I would go down 26. So the Jews during that time, because of the hostility between the Samaritans, they would take 77 all the way down to Murder Beach to come back up to Charleston. And so because of the, the animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews, uh, they would make their way around Samaria. But not so with Jesus. This Jesus is passionate about breaking down those barriers. Now, we have to really ask ourselves what barriers were in place. It says he has to pass through Samaria. Jesus had to pass through Samaria, not because of geography, but Jesus had to pass through Samaria because of divine itinerary. And Jesus has something that he wants to share with us about the type of Messiah that he is. He's sharing with us a sermon to remember about the Messiah he is. And firstly, it's he's the Messiah that breaks down barriers. In verse 7, let's read. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask from me, ask a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And if we're hip to the history let me rephrase that. If we are aware of the history, hip being 
being put on to the history, studying, understanding the history. If we're hip to the history, we would know that her statement comes from a place of her experience. During that time, Jews and Samaritans, because they believed that they were mixed breed, there were barriers, some deep-seated barriers that were in place. There was the racial barrier. You know, we don't associate with them folk over there. There was the religious barrier. Samaritans, you do it your way. We do it our way. There was the social barrier in this woman. For not only was she a Samaritan, but she was a woman. And as she was a woman, she would have been someone who was on the bottom of the social totem pole. She was not even considered a human. She had no voice. She was considered property. And I do not want us to miss this. See, a lot of times we like to spiritualize the Bible and not let theology get low. See, Jesus has something he wants to share with us about the barriers that are existing in the American narrative. The racial barriers between white people and black people. The social barriers between the high class, the middle class and poor people. And even the religious barrier that is between Presbyterians and Baptists and Pentecostals. And there is one more barrier. The gender barrier that exists in our churches between men and women. Now there was a movement a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, the hashtag MeToo. And church too. And a young lady sent out a Facebook post. She said, if you have been sexually assaulted, I want you to tell your story and put the hashtag me too. And the next day, millions of women told their story of how they have been abused and dehumanized and marginalized. And the world was shook. With the reality, the dehumanization of women. But it didn't just stop there. It went to hashtag church too. And it told the story of the reality of the disparity in our churches and the way that women are treated even in the household of faith. And I think Jesus has something that he wants to share with us about this movement. I think Jesus has something he wants to share with us about this reality. What he shares with us about this reality is that where many people saw the Samaritan woman as an object for power and pleasure, King Jesus saw her as a daughter of grace and purpose. Amen. Where her reality was marked by marginalization, Jesus brought her in as a daughter of God. And it shares us, this lets us know something about the barrier breaking Messiah. That the people that Jesus came to 
anticipates the people that Jesus came for. The people that Jesus came to anticipates the people that Jesus came for. You have to realize that this is a conversation that should not be happening with Jesus and this woman. For Jesus is a rabbi, and he should not be entertaining a Samaritan woman, but Jesus is so passionate about breaking barriers that Jesus stops on his journey, and he tells her, please give me something to drink. And you can only imagine uh, what she was going through at this moment because we can see how she responds. She says, yo, chill. You know that like y'all folk don't associate with my folk. And isn't this how we respond to Jesus so many times? See, we, 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 we have this broken area in our lives and we have this broken reality of our lives. And as Jesus wants to come near and see us as sons and daughters, our knee jerk reaction is, you know, Jesus, you know, you don't associate with my kind. You don't associate with my type. And I'm so glad that Jesus was here in this moment and not the disciples. Because we are like the disciples. We are coming up to see Jesus hanging out with this woman who's not only uh, religiously marginalized and racially, but even she has a history. It's like, Jesus, what you doing, bro? Peter texts John. He's like, yo, hash, like, like, Jesus, dot, 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 dot. And he says, he say, look at your boy, your boy tripping. <laughs> but they, did, they said it to themselves. And I think that was later on when the disciples came back in verse um, 27. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? I'm so glad Jesus was there. And not the disciples. Because so many times we are like the disciples and not like Jesus with the people we consider to be the other. We're going to go there. Let's go there right now. Our racial history in America. Many churches... Today, 86% of the churches are homogenous. That means that they are made up of one ethnic or racial group. And many times we respond like the disciples responded when it comes to people who are racially different than us. We say, okay, well, we wonder what's up with them. We have a view of them that is dehumanizing. And marginalize. Somebody help me out with that word. (laughs) We marginalize them. Is that right? (laughs) That just sounds wrong. (laughs) But Jesus has something he wants to say with us. He says where there are barriers, he wants to break those barriers down. We have to deal with that. 
We have to go there. Why? Because Jesus goes there. If we are to live like the Messiah, then that means that as Jesus came to the people that he came for, we should reflect that same reality in our lives. So we have to ask, what are our relationships look like? What, what is our individual journey when it comes to the other? What, what are our institutions looking like? Are we more like the culture or are we more like Jesus? Sadly, we're more like the culture. But Jesus has something he wants to say even to us. And that is that secondly, he's passionate about bringing healing and wholeness. Jesus is passionate about bringing healing and wholeness. See, in this conversation, it's very easy for Jesus to walk away or for the Samaritan woman to have walked away. We see in this text that as Jesus and the Samaritan woman are talking with one another, Jesus answered her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep, and where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks this water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will, come, will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. See, Jesus in this moment, could have easily walked away from this conversation. But Jesus was so passionate about breaking down barriers, and Jesus was so passionate about bringing healing and wholeness that the one who was considered to be the other, Jesus wanted to have a conversation with her and preach a sermon to her about a new reality. See, she was coming to the, the well expecting to get, to get natural, temporary water, and she missed the point. Jesus was sharing with her about living water. And what is this living water? This living water is a life that is animated by the power of the Holy Spirit, living out the reign and reality of God that is going to be future right now. And it is an active participation in what God is doing in this world. That is the living water that Jesus is talking about. But she missed the point. The woman said to him, give me this water so that I, not will, so I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And so many times we miss the point of Jesus. So many times we seeking to be satisfied. She would have been someone who is a uh, uh, who would have came to the well at noon to hide because of her sexual reality. Her, her sexual relationships, her, 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 her oppressive relationships and divorces or, or, or being left and now with someone that is not even her husband. She wants to hide and she wants to be satisfied and fulfilled to never have to drink again. She wants that and Jesus wants to do that in her life. But Jesus doesn't do that 
the way we might think. It's interesting, Jesus says this in verse 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. At this moment, we're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Like you got the perfect opportunity to win somebody for the kingdom. And you're going to tell her, go get her husband. You God, you know she ain't got no husband. But he wants to expose the broken areas of her life. But not like we do. See, Jesus exposes the broken areas of her life not to shame her. Jesus exposes the broken areas of her life to shape her. He doesn't do it to shame her. He does it to shape her. And what are those broken areas of her life? He, he, he really addresses it in three ways. Jesus expresses, exposes her broken identity, and he expresses her broken religion, as well as her broken understanding. Jesus says this. The woman in verse 17 answer, I have no husband. And Jesus says, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. So he exposes that area of her life that is broken in her identity and her reality. And see, Jesus wants to expose those areas in our lives as well. What, what are those areas in our lives that, 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 that we don't want to go to? What are those areas in our lives that, that, that we don't want to expose, that we, we don't want to go and visit that dark, dark place where we want to be fulfilled or where we want to have acclaim or where, where we want to be known or where we want to hold on to those barriers that we have in our life? What are those areas? Jesus exposes that in her. But he also exposes her broken religion. See, later on, they, they go from, hey, go get your husband to having a theological discourse about Samaritans and Jews. See, this uh, uh, Jew and Samaritan relationship, uh, the Samaritans worship their own particular way and, and, and the Jews worship their own particular way. But Jesus is saying that, you know, that broken religion is, it, you, you just don't get to choose your own way to, 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 to respond to God. No, Jesus says that, woman, believe me, the hour is coming where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You will worship, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We can't miss this. See, not only is he addressing her broken identity and relationships. He's also addressing and exposing her broken understanding and religion. She's thinking that, okay, that, that, that the worship of God, that being God's people is tied to a particular space. No, Jesus is saying that the that, that space doesn't matter. What matters to God is the particular person who is participating in God's worship and in God's reality. 
That was a cover-up for her to go into a theological discourse. But Jesus, as he was, he addresses those areas and opens up and shapes a new identity for her to let her know that you don't have, it's not about the place or tradition, but it's about your life being in participation in what God is doing in this world. And he stays there with her. He could have ran. But he is so passionate that he would even entertain her arguments so that on the other side of her arguments, when she says, I know, as as Jesus has dismantled all of her, just everything in her life, he has exposed and dismantled all of that. And she comes to a place, we can only imagine the shame that she is wearing, having to come at noon. And it seems that Jesus is is in the same line of the many people that she was experiencing and shaming her once again. She comes to the place and says, I know that Messiah is coming and he will open up all these things when he comes. And Jesus on the other side of that doesn't shame her. He shapes her. He says, I who speak to you am he. See, on the other side of humility and honesty is redemption and restoration. See, Jesus wanted to shape her, to redeem her, to change her reality. Look at the progression. Jesus exposed her to hold and mold and shape her into a new reality, into a new understanding, into a new understand, uh, identity so that he can unfold her to the world as a trophy of grace. Let's go down to verse 39. And this is my end. We're on the flight down. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. See, Jesus was so passionate about breaking barriers, religious, racial, social, gender barriers. He was so passionate about breaking down those barriers and so passionate about healing and wholeness that the very one who was marginalized, who was broken, he reshaped her and unfolded her to the world to be the very conduit of mercy and grace to people who were broken just like her. And that's our story. So you don't have to be afraid to go into those areas of your life. Jesus wants to go there. He wants to break down those barriers. He wants you to join in with him and what he's doing. And he does want to expose some things in us. But he doesn't want to do it to shame us. He wants to do it to shape us. So that we may join in with what God is doing in this world. To bring healing and wholeness. And participate and what he's doing in redemption and restoring all things.
The question is, will you join him? Will you go to that area of your life? Will, will, you, will you be humble and honest? We'll, we'll do, we have to ask ourselves these questions. It's Lent time. Lent is a time of reflection and repentance. Will we repent and reflect for how we've been complicit in holding up barriers in our society? Or will we join Jesus in a passionate pursuit for healing and wholeness? I hope you will. I'm going to do it as best I can, and I hope you will as well. Let us pray. Oh, God, we thank you just for this day. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that you display toward us continually. God, you are so gracious to us. You are so merciful to us. Lord, you are passionate about breaking down barriers. And you're passionate about bringing healing and wholeness. And you want us to partner with you in that work. Lord, give us fresh eyes to see. And give us willing hands and willing hearts to join in what you're doing in this world. It's through Christ I pray. Amen.